Progressives are using black Americans to experiment with communism? Right about there. Let me start that over. Damn it, Billy! Are you ready? Pay attention! Check your reality. <laughs> Let's do this! The comments and opinions of this program may be considered offensive. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome back to Uncommon Sense. I am your host, Billy the Kid. Thing looks a little different this time, huh? So I got kind of a space set up here in my room. That's my background. And I'm not sure if those are hanging right for you guys, but they are, you know, on the other side where I hung them up. So I hope the lighting's okay. Hope y'all can hear me okay. If I keep messing with my mic and my filter, sorry, the filter was giving me issues. <laughs> I had to actually strap it to my desk drawer. <laughs> so anyway, alright, so let's get into this. A couple of topics I got for you guys today. Make my screen smaller here. Look, come down this way. To be honest, this is all kind of new to me, guys, so we're going to learn this together. Alright, so over here on my screen, I've got an article from Newsweek I found this morning. And it was published, I believe, this morning. Oh, no, my bad. It was on the 15th. It's an opinion piece in Newsweek. Progressives are using black Americans to experiment with communism. Hmm. Never would have guessed that. According to Adam B. Coleman, the author of Black Victim to Black Victor, and the founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. video there that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Alright. Go away ad. Go away ad. Get out of my way. Alright. Adam Coleman says, Being black in America today is a lot like being a football. Your identity is thrown around a lot, and you have no control over who is throwing it or where. Modern politics seems to require one claim to help black people in order to gain traction. Unfortunately, claiming to help and actually helping are two different things. Hmm. Actions speak louder than words. And what we're seeing on the progressive left is the use of black Americans as an experimental lab for what can only be called a communist utopian fever dream. Moving on. 
Okay. <laughs> I call it communist because it's based on the kind of leveling of the playing field that Marx promoted. Much of what passes for equality can be traced back to Marx's obsession with class, war uh, class warfare and exploitation. Equity refers to equality of outcome, a focus historically of the communists who believed you can use the strong arm of the government to force the same life outcome on different individuals. The belief system has caused nothing but hardship and death, and yet it's on the rise in the U.S. Unfortunately, yes, hmm. we are seeing it everywhere. Hmm. I saw a video clip. I was trying to look for it earlier and I couldn't find it or I'd show it to you guys. But it was from a protest after the Rittenhouse verdict. These people were chanting in the street that communist... I'm sorry, a communist revolution is the only solution. Or something like that. Maybe it was the other way around. The only solution is a communist revolution. That's what it was. Scary stuff, dude. I mean, wow. And here, I'm just starting to teach my kids about World War II and the Nazis and what they did. And Oh, man. Alright, let's move on a little bit. This article's not that long, so we're just going to run through the whole thing. Marxist move is to find an unfortunate reality, divide the actors into uh, a dichotomy of oppressor versus oppressed, and then <laughs> exacerbate the issue by presenting the total destruction of any system that gave rise to the unfortunate reality as the only solution. And today's progressive left has been applying this kind of Marxist dichotomy, I think that's how you say that word, I've only seen it a couple times in my life, uh, and utopian, destroy and rebuild to our community in the name of uh, in the name of equity for black Americans, the far left has turned against mediocrity and capitalism which in classic Marxist fashion represent absolute threats to society. Instead of ensuring a world in which black Americans can take advantage of, uh, take advantage fully of the fruits of American capitalism, the far left in the grip of the communist utopian mindset has been hard at work advocating for tearing down all of the existing institutions, abolishing uh, standardized testing, defunding police departments, and turning against things like private property. Have you asked yourself why members of Black Lives Matter make excuses for the destruction of private property? It's because communists don't respect private property. The only respect, or I'm sorry, they only respect state-controlled property. The destruction of a private business is not a side effect of mostly peaceful protests. It is their objective. The breakdown of law and order is part of the communist left's greater plan to demoralize the American public by sowing distrust into all of our institutions, thereby justifying the demand 
that they be raised uh, and rebuilt. Similarly, when the BLM movement advocates for defunding or abolishing the police, this, too, is part of a larger utopian vision in which the property in which property and other civil liberties are abolished in the name of protecting black life. Have black people been victimized in American history? Absolutely. Also, mind you, note for my uh, audio-only listeners, the writer of this article is a black man. Have there been black people killed by the police unjustly? Yes. But the existence of racism and racial injustice is being used by the far left to drag the American public toward an, uh, a utopian vision where we are all treated equally in every situation and produce the same outcome regardless of merit, or so they say. And this is not just farcicality, uh, farcically impossible. Sorry, <laughs> it requires the destruction of everything that makes a society function and makes living in it worth it. Okay, I apologize, it was a little longer than I had planned. So I think I'm going to go ahead and stop there. But I feel like this is a very interesting point. And part of, of course, what makes it interesting is the fact that he is a black man, so he knows what it's like to live in America as a black man. Um, so I always find things like this interesting. Um, let me know what you guys think in the comments. Do you agree with him? Do you disagree? Why do you agree or disagree? I think it's interesting to hear other people's opinions and thoughts on these types of things. And I feel like that's the only way we're really going to progress. Is speaking with one another and understanding the way that other people think. Or trying to, I guess. Alright, the next article I wanted to bring up was crazy. It just popped up on me today. on my MSN. Woman stomped unconscious in Jekintown road rage incident. A woman was beaten and stomped unconscious by a man and another woman following a road rage incident Thursday morning. Following the encounter while driving, the victim was approached by another woman who began violently beating her, police said. Video footage of the incident shows another woman looking on. As the incident progresses, a pair drag the woman out of her car and kick and stomp on her in the street. You know, it's insane that this kind of stuff is being filmed by people and no one does anything. Did, he, did you guys hear about the rape that happened in the New York subway? There was like, something like eight plus people or something standing there filming this horrific thing and never one of them even called the cops. Look it up. Okay, so we're going to go and watch this little short video from uh, Tucker Carlson. The last little part of this says, 
The woman was knocked unconscious and taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. Police are asking for the public's help in identifying the two suspects. And here is the picture that they provided, which is very blurry. All right, so let's see what Tucker says. So Kenny Lawson, as we told you, met Rachel Rollins last Christmas Eve, trying to leave the parking lot of the South Bay Mall in Boston. She joins us tonight with her perception. Kenny, thanks so much for coming on. What I was so struck by and what I was personal, I'll just say it, was I was offended by was her attack on you on Twitter suggesting that you were a racist. So I just want to be completely comparing you to yes, the people who killed Emmett Till. Probably was there a racial was component? She, she's white. This happened in a road rage incident. Like, these people don't know her, you know? They're just... This is what the media propaganda about racist, racism has done. It is creating violent acts like this against this woman here. By two people of color. You know, it, it reminds me of the Waukesha thing. That there's strong evidence to show that it was... A racist crime. He was going after those people because they were white. That's what we're seeing here on this one. That's all I want, you guys, is to divide us. In any way to your exchange with her? Absolutely not. This was pure about abuse of power. And the narrative that has been written um, by Rachel Rollins in regards to the incident is absurd because she fails to mention that my fiance was in the passenger seat. He is African-American and she was actually in his face because her car was up to his side of, you know, her, her car was against his, his side of the car. So the narrative that she's writing is that I'm going after her because she's um, a black woman or anything like that is absurd. She, uh, she impersonated a police officer. I thought she was a police officer. Well, of course she did. I mean, she had the cop lights on her car. So just to be totally clear, oh, wow. I guess she's suggesting that your fiance, whose picture we just showed, is a lot like the people who murdered. So that woman pretended to be a cop. Um, wow. Okay. Emmett Till. I mean, does it make you uncomfortable that this person who attacked you, screamed at you, impersonated a police officer, and then called you and your fiance racist when you complained about it, is in charge of administering federal law in your state. It's it's beyond disturbing. She's, you know, claimed to file false allegations against the media. She has handed over, over her badge to hecklers. I mean, all of these stories about her are on TV Daily News and and they're all all with references like she's she's dangerous. She's she's yes. dangerous. And calling me a racist is probably the least um, offensive thing that she's done, to be honest, because I know who I am and who I'm not. Right. It's just so crazy. It's just beyond, it's just beyond mm -hmm. belief. I appreciate your coming on tonight. Kitty Lawson, who last, I hope you have a better Christmas Eve this that year. That is insane. We're gonna <laughs> I will. We're going to look up real quick. Rachel Rollins. Oop. There I go bumping the mic stand, or the pop filter again. Rachel Rollins is a is an American lawyer and politician who is the district attorney of Suffolk County in Massachusetts.
There's another video. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll look at a little more into her later. That's crazy, though. All right, and the last thing I really wanted to cover with you guys is uh, it's a story that a woman from church told my aunt about her two brothers, everybody together on Thanksgiving, and one brother said he had just paid $17 or something like that a pound for beef. The other brother, who raises cattle in Montana, had just sold his beef for like 52 cents a pound. I believe it was 52. It was 50-something cents a pound. So who's making all this money? The packing companies. Well, I mentioned this to my dad today. And he said he heard about a farmer in the Midwest somewhere who started or was trying to start his own meat packing company to bypass the packing companies and save on costs. So I looked it up and I just searched farmer opens his own meat packing plant. Got a whole bunch of them here. There's more pages. First one, October 3rd, 2021. Farmers opening their own small meat processing plants in Council Hill, Oklahoma. The price of meat is going up. October 2nd, 2021. Fed up with the meat packing industry, some farmers are opening their own small uh, meat processing plants while the Biden White House works on new regulations. Of course they do. Let's not let the little man make money for himself. October 16th, 2021, ranchers launch, launch effort to build own meat packing plants to fight against low beef prices. Crews will start work this fall building the sustainable beef plant. Unhappy with prices, ranchers look at building their own meatpacking plant. This, again, the 16th, Chad Tendiger, who is leading efforts uh, to build a cattleman's heritage plant near Council Bluffs, Iowa. I think this might have been the one my dad heard about was in Iowa. Said he thinks smaller plants more profitable. Profitable. Bleh. I can't speak. It's also late right now for me. But it was a good time to record because kids are in bed. It's pretty quiet in the house. <coughs> Alright, July 29th, 2021. 
Farmers have formed a co-op, and in about a month, they will open a small chicken processing plant in Stacyville. So, this is apparently happening all over, and I want to encourage other farmers and ranchers to do the same. I wish someone would do that here. Uh, we've got a We've got a butcher in town that I'm going to look into it because I recently heard that they don't actually get their meat locally. They ship it from somewhere else. And I'm like, what? Why? And here all this time I was thinking it was local meat, you know. Um, there's another one that I know for sure does local meat. But they charge just as much, if not more, than the grocery store. Like, how does that help anyone? You would think that they would want to, you know, give proper competition to some of these you know, bigger stores, and be like, hey, our meat's cheaper, come over here, but no, no, they're not going to do that, but if someone did, hmm, what an interesting predicament it would put them in, I'm just saying, just, just my opinion, what do you guys think, let me know what you think in the comments, I don't think there's anything else I really want to cover today. Oh, you, you know, know what, what though? though? Before I go, show you guys some cool stuff I got today. I went uh, Christmas shopping with my dad, and we ended up at a bookstore. It's my favorite place. So I found this one, Rush Limbaugh, the way things ought to be. Um, rest in peace. Also found Glenn Beck's Agenda 21 with Harriet Park. So, it's a thriller novel. Look how young Glenn is in there. Hi, Glenn. Anyway, uh, he's pretty young there. But, it's pretty interesting. So, this was published, or, yeah, the copyright is back in 2012. Anyway, I'm going to read this little part to you guys. Just a generation ago, this place was called America. Now, after the worldwide uh, implementation of a UN-led program called Agenda 21. It is simply known as the Republic. There is no president, no Congress, no Supreme Court, no freedom. There are only the authorities. Citizens have two primary goals in the new Republic, to create clean energy and to create new human life. Those who cannot do either are of no use to society. <coughs> This bleak and barren existence is all that 18-year-old Emmeline has ever known. She dutifully walks her energy board daily and accepts all male pairings assigned to her by the authorities. Like most citizens, she keeps her head down and her eyes closed until the day they come for her mother. So... It's kind of weird how I feel like we're living in the precursor to what's going on here. And reminds me a little bit of 1984. A little bit of Orwell inspiration there, I think. Okay, this is a, a personal excitement because this is my favorite author. And, ta-da! It's my favorite book. My favorite author. Although, I think I will say that uh, the best book ever written is... Where'd it go? It's this one right here. Dun, dun, dun. 
Lois Moore, The Last of the Breed. If you haven't read it, I very much recommend it. Um, this is one, two, actually both of these books here, Jubal Sackett and Last of the Breed, very good books. And if you don't feel like reading a text-type version about survival, I recommend these books. There's a lot of survival stuff in Last of the Breed. Um, he's he's stuck in Soviet Russia in the winter. So, yeah, it's really good. And Lamar is a great writer. Very factual with his stuff. He knows his thing, man. I'm telling you. Jewel Sackett. It's my favorite Sackett book. I've, I've read this probably four times. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I was stoked to find that today. Hardcover. Another interesting one I found. Hold on, let me set these aside real quick. Can never have enough books, man, I'll tell you. So I found this one I've never heard of. I never even heard of the author. His name's David Hagberg. I think I said that right. Anyways, it's called The Cabal. So, this one. I'll just read this first little sentence here. Uh, CIA operative Todd, Todd Van Buren meets with a Washington Post investigative reporter who has uncovered strong evidence that a powerful lobbyist has formed a shadowy group called the Friday Club. The Cabal's members include high-ranking men inside the government. Okay. And last, but certainly not least, let me kill my pop filter. Okay, is Tom Clancy, The Red Rabbit. I was so excited to find this book. And I got them in the used store, and they were like, in the, you know, don't return this because you got it super cheap section. So, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Um,. It's another Jack Ryan book. But as you can see on the front, there is the... I haven't figured out this camera yet. It's backwards. It's the uh, communist symbol. You got your red and your, and your star up here. Look a little familiar. Yeah. So that ought to be a good read. Look how fat that book is, dude. That's a fat book. So yeah, um... Yeah, I got some good reads around here. But anyways, I think that's it for today. I'll stop there. Blah, blah, blah about books. Love books. That's how we, that's how we learn to make our way through the world. Reading and learning. You know what? Actually, real quick, speaking of that, I want to bring up the fact that Oregon, my, my Oregon, yeah, that's controlled by an insane person should be flushed down a toilet like her last name anyways uh, she has in case you guys haven't heard and I think I mentioned this in another episode has actually taken away requirements for reading writing and math for high school students so you don't have to have all those requirements to graduate high school, this is supposed to help children of color, students of color. So I asked my kids today, because they're part, you know, color, or Asian, although I'm not really sure why Asians were 
stuck into that whole thing because aren't Asians known to be good at math? I mean, I was good at math. <laughs> yep, I make that joke all the time. I'm pretty good at math. I'm only half Filipino. But I just think that's funny, you know. Uh, and I so I asked my kids today what they thought. Do you Do you think that taking away requirements to read and write and do math, do you think that's going to help kids of color, of any color? My kids were baffled. They were like, no. How would that help anybody? <laughs> like, how are you going to learn anything if you can't read? How are you going to get a job if you can't do math? They are almost eight and nine. My daughter's like, math teaches logic. How do people not, how can they not learn math? My son's like, I love math. <laughs> Man, my daughter reads all the time. So, encourage your kids to read. Encourage them to do math. Figure out what they're learning in school. And shoot, man, what they're not learning in school. Try to fill in those gaps if you can't teach them at home. Because this... This industry-type education system. It's awful. And it's the experiment. I mean, think about it. People have been homeschooling kids and teaching them at home for thousands of years. The Greeks did it. The Romans did it. Everybody did it. <laughs> Everybody taught their kids at home. Even the Egyptians, they made it pretty far. <laughs> Here we are. We're only like 200 years into our existence as a country. and We're already going down this deep, deep, dark hole that we can't get out of. All right. I think I'll wrap it up. I added another 10 minutes of random gibberish onto it. So, anyways, I hope you guys have a good night. And uh, you'll probably watch this tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So, <laughs> good night. Farewell. I'll be your Zane. All that. Billy the Kid, signing out. Hey guys, Billy here. Just wanted to apologize for the uh, audio situation. We're still getting used to the programming and learning how to navigate everything. So just uh, bear with us and we'll get better. It's a learning process.